0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby Say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. One of the greatest things about camping is staring mindlessly into a fire. Am I wrong? There's just something about it that, you know... The, the only way you can mess that up is with words. And so as I was sitting there, I, I don't even know that I was relaxing, but as I was sitting there being quiet and just watching a fire, it reminded me of the greatest decision that I, well, not maybe not the greatest, but one of the most important decisions that I have ever made. It was actually a more important decision than leaving everything in Texas behind and starting Save the Cowboy. It was a monumental, life-altering, life-changing decision. Where do you make those life-changing decisions at? Where do you have those deep thoughts um, that alter everything? Well, the toilet, of course, because that's where I was sitting I wasn't using the toilet. I was just sitting on one. But you have to know why I was sitting there. Whenever I was the pastor of the Pecos County Cowboy Church in Fort Stockton, Texas, before I started Save the Cowboy, I had only been a pastor for a couple of months. And then the only time in going over 10 years, going on 11 years, I've only called in at the last moment, sick one time. And I'd only been... A preacher for a couple of months and um, I had been throwing up all that day and we had a midweek service on a Thursday night and my wife kept saying just call everybody and cancel I was like no I'll be okay you you can't throw up all day well that's crap because you can okay I threw up while I was putting my boots on to try to walk out and do a midweek service and finally I just I said "I, I, I can't do this mainly because I don't know about you, but when I throw up the space-time continuum splits in half, the earth shakes, the cosmos shudder. I am the most weenified puker in the world, okay? You would think that I was being run through with a spoon. So I, so I, I told my wife, she goes, what do you want to do? And I said, you know what? I've got this DVD that I've been saving. It was a little Christian documentary. I said, just show that tonight. She goes, okay, I can do that. So her and the kids packed up and they went, they left the ranch and went for Fort Stockton and I continued throwing up. And whenever she got home, I said, how did, how was the movie? She goes, well, about that. She said, we got there and you older generation will remember this, you know, when you'd put the little DVD in and it'd just say like disc error, they couldn't get it to play in our $14 DVD player, you know, that we had. And I said, then what did y'all do? And she goes, I didn't know what to do. So I just said, I can't get the DVD player to work. This is what, you know, Kevin's sick. Let's just all sit around. There's only like 12 people there. So it's not like, you know, it's 2000. About 12 people sitting around. She said, instead of watching this, why don't we all just share our favorite Bible verse? And if you would like to say something about that, then feel free to or you don't have to either way And she said it was a very good fellowship of you know, somebody would read a bible verse and the next person would be like Oh, I love that. That's so cool And then the next person would read their favorite and then somebody else would want to read another one She said it was awesome. We had such a great time and I said, man, thank you so much You know Here I, y'all were having a great time and you know, I had my head in the toilet and then Sunday after church, I'm sitting on a toilet. Much like Save the Cowboy here after I get done, people are talking in little groups, going from group to group, talking to each other. I had one of the elders of the church say, can I speak to you for a minute? Sure. So I walked over there to the corner with him and he goes, I just wanted to come to you as a man and tell you that I'm going to call for your removal as pastor. I said, uh, it was such a shock to me. I was like, "Uh, okay, why? And he said, because I won't be led by a pastor that's unbiblical. And I said, go on. And he said, I won't be a part of a church that allows a woman to be in ministerial leadership. I wasn't always a Christian. And my pre-Christianity, I nearly beat that man to death. I wanted to. I wanted to so bad. And I said, Why? Because she had some people read some Bible. She suggested that people read Bible verses. He said, You put her in an authority position over me. I said, You're an idiot. And he said, Well, I'm going to call for your removal. And I said, Well, you just do whatever you think God is calling you to do, cowboy. And I said, But you know this if you call for that, one of us will leave. One of us won't be here anymore. So you just go ahead and do whatever you think you need to do, big boy. And he left. And everybody's still over there talking, right? Oblivious to everything that's going on. Well, it was one big room like this, and there was an office, but it had windows that you could see in. So the only place that I could have privacy was the men's bathroom. And so I went in the men's bathroom and I closed the door and I locked it and I sat on that toilet and I said, God, I quit. I am done. I'm not doing this anymore. I don't need this. I didn't ask for this. I quit. I give up. I don't have to subject myself to this. If, if these people want to act like that, they can just have it. Ain't that right, God? Hmm. God's not always, he doesn't agree with me a lot, much to my chagrin. So I prayed and I said, God, is this a sign that you want me to quit? And I knew before I even prayed that prayer that that was not the case. So sitting there on a toilet in an old car dealership, half the size of this room, I made the decision not to ever quit because that would be too safe. That would be too easy. And I don't want to live a life that is safe or easy. So, therefore, I must live a life that is dangerous, just like Jesus did. Jesus was one of the most dangerous individuals, maybe the most dangerous individual to ever walk the earth. Not in the sense that we use it today, but in regards to our ease and our comfort and our excuses, he's dangerous to that. What you see here now, what you're watching on live stream is a result of that toilet conversation because I wanted Save the Cowboy to be as close to dangerous as Jesus was, or as close as we could be. Save the Cowboy is dangerous because we don't cave in to church culture because most people's idea of Christianity is not Christianity at all. It's church culture. For the first three years when we started Save the Cowboy, about once a month, maybe even more, people would walk up to me and they said, well, I liked your sermon and everything, but I'm not coming back here. And I was like, okay. But I guess they wanted to tell me why. I didn't ask why, but they wanted to tell me. And they said, we're not coming back because you don't worship here. And I said, excuse me. They said, you don't don't worship. You don't have worship. I said, we've been worshiping since we got here. They said, you didn't have any music. And I said, oh, oh, wait a minute. You didn't, you said worship. You didn't say music. Because see, music is a form of worship, but music is not worship. We don't have Bible studies all during the week. I have the same type of people come up to me and they're like, don't you have any Bible studies? Why don't you have any Bible studies? How could a church not have a Bible study? I said, number one, we're not a church because we don't have membership. We're a ministry that promotes, uh, as Ty said, saving the cowboy. Number one, say you know, trying to introduce them to Jesus Christ that can save their eternal souls and keep the legacy, artistry, and traditions of the working ranch cowboy alive through which we spread the good news. But your relationship with God is your responsibility, not ours. I'm not responsible to, to spoon-feed everybody. If you want to have a Bible study, here's what you do. You go home, you take out your Bible, you open it, you read it, and you study it. And if you don't understand something, read it till you do understand something. Okay? It's not rocket math. I don't even know what rocket math is, but it's not that. God knew I'd be too powerful if I knew math also. We, we don't have prayer chains and, and, and program after program after program, you know. And, and I Listen, I am not saying anything bad about churches or ministries that have music. Wonderful. I'm not saying anything bad about, about those that have something every night of the week and they need a thousand volunteers to pull it off. I'm not saying anything bad. If that's what you want, go there. I fully support it. I'll introduce you. But we don't have Sunday school. And people say, well, how come you don't have Sunday school? I was like, well, just because that's not what we're called to do. And they said, well, who's going to teach my kid about God? You are. The Bible says, train up your child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. You want to know the greatest Sunday school in the world is? The one that we've got right now where I'm looking out and I'm seeing children sitting with their parents listening to God. There's no greater Sunday school than that right there. But yeah, yeah, well, he's nearly in high school. You know how that goes. He doesn't want to sit with you. We make your relationship with Christ your responsibility. Now we'll help you in any way we can, but we won't do it for you. We will help you with burdens, but we are not going to carry your load. We can pick you up. We can dust you off. We can put some duct tape on you when you get yard darted, but you've got to ride your own bronc. I will not be controlled by religion or church culture. Being uncontrollable is dangerous, and Jesus was uncontrollable according to society standards. But being uncontrollable doesn't mean out of control. It means being in complete control of what God has called us to do. There's a great movie called 12 Strong that recently came out. And it's the story of 12 Green Berets that are the first 12 military personnel from the United States to go in to Afghanistan and fight al-Qaeda and the Taliban after 9-11. It's a fantastic movie, okay? Fantastic movie. And during the movie, the, the 12 soldiers are working with... The the general of the Northern Alliance in Afghanistan that is fighting the Taliban and Al Qaeda, also. And Captain Mitch Nelson, the leader of the soldiers, tells General Dostrom, Well, this is what my superiors have told me to do, because they're kind of having an argument about what's going to happen in this next battle against the terrorists. He says, This is what my superiors have told me to do, and I have to follow orders. And General Dostum, who is now the vice president in Afghanistan, or he was, he says, that is the difference between me and you. You have many people telling you what to do. I only have God. That's a dangerous individual. That does not care what anybody else thinks. That will only follow God to the best of his or her God-given ability, leaning not on their opinion of what they think God wants, but by leaning on the truth that God has revealed living through his son, Jesus Christ, and his living word that we call the Bible. If you want to be a dangerous Christian, then you have to be uncontrollable by anybody except God. You have to be uncontrolled by friends. You have to be uncontrolled by family. You have to be uncontrolled by society. And you have to be uncontrolled by sin. And what do I mean whenever I say friends? You know, Jesus had at least 72 disciples because in the Bible it talks about sending out the 72, right? But then he had 12 that were like under his personal tutelage. You didn't know that I knew that word, did you? It's pretty big for me. And then within the 12, he had three. And then within the three, he had one. And his name was Peter. So Jesus is telling them that, telling his friends, hey, I'm going to be strung up on a cross and I'm going to die for everybody's sins. Vastly paraphrasing. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, after Jesus says this, Peter takes him aside. Listen, God, come here. Let me talk to you. I love you and everything, but... So Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. (laughs) Man, Peter, (laughs) I love that dude, man. He might've messed up a lot, but he went 100% at it. He's reprimanding God himself for saving the world. And he says, heaven forbid, Lord. (laughs) Heaven forbid, Lord. This will never happen to you. And Jesus turned to one of his best friends. Peter, and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Isn't that what most of our friends do to us? when we're going through a hard time or something like that. Our friends want to keep us safe. They want to protect us. But a lot of times they want to control us because they, they want to keep us safe and they want us to be comfortable and they want us to have easy. And it's not like that. Because following God is not easy. And just because your friends give you advice, just because it's friendly advice doesn't mean it's good advice. There is nothing safe about doing things God's way. Nothing. When we cave into our friends' expectations of the way we should live our lives, we become controlled by them, not by God. Because listen, sometimes people are not going to understand what God has called you to do, or, or better yet, what you want to do for God. They're not going to understand it. They're going to try to talk you out of it. Are you controlled by them or are you controlled by God? You must pick one of the two. But you know, a true mark of friendship is when disagreement does not mean disapproval. Just the other day, sitting right outside our new shop, me and Ty were sitting there talking and his words were, you know, me and you, we don't, we do things totally opposite of each other. We disagree on on nearly everything except the result, okay? We're always after the same result. Now, how we get there, we come from two different backgrounds. But you know, Ty said I'd have to run him off because he'll never quit. And I told him he'd have to quit because I wasn't going to run him off. Because we want the same things. We may go about it two separate ways. And even when he disagrees wholehearted with me and gets mad, and when I disagree with him and I get mad, we can disagree, but we never disapprove of each other because we're pards. And if God can take a Texan and a Montanan... With the help of a Kansas cowboy and an Okie and make a ministry, God can do amazing things through you. I'm just saying. But you have to be controlled by him. You have to be dangerous enough to, I don't want to say turn your back on your friends. That's not what I'm saying. But you can't be controlled by even those friends that care about you. You have to be controlled by God. You can't be controlled by what everybody else wants for your life You can only be controlled by what God wants from your life, but not just with your friends, also with your family. In Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50, it says, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, Jesus is preaching, okay? His mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. (laughs) Last year at the El Paso County Fair, we go and we we always do a a church service. We were there last Sunday. But a year ago, we were there. And I'm up there preaching, right? And I'm all into it and I'm giving them the good book and, you know, la, 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 and... It, it, it's real distracting because people are walking by and there's a mounted shoot going on and it sounds like World War III and all of this stuff. And as I'm preaching, this guy, he walks up and he stands at the stage. And I thought, man, this guy really wants Jesus. Man, he's going to come all the way up on stage with me. But you know how somebody's body language, they, they can, you can tell that, that they want to talk to you? So I'm sitting there preaching and I'm you know, kind of looking at him like, and so finally, he stands there long enough with the body language that is basically screaming that he wants to say something. So during the live broadcast to thousands, I put the mic down and I said, can I help you with something? And he goes, can you move your truck? <laughs> I was Just like, what? And so I look back there and, and Stephen's in the back. And over the live broadcast, I said, Stephen, can you come help this gentleman? So Stephen gets over there, and, and the, the truck that we'd used to haul all our equipment, we, we had permission to park it there, but see, the ice truck had come, and the ice truck needed to get by. I should have said, wait, because Stephen moves the truck, the ice truck comes in, And it's a big bobtail truck. And this guy had never backed up an ice truck before. And it had a train horn for a backup signal. And so he's trying to back up and it's like, beep, beep, so loud. You can't even hear me over the speakers. So I'm like, and Jesus said, beep, beep. And so I'm waiting. It stops. So like I said, Jesus said, beep, beep. It happened like four or five times. I'm like, oh my gosh, Stephen, will you please go back up that truck for him? So I, I know what it's like to be interrupted for something. But Jesus, somebody's interrupting Jesus, and I've never had anybody come up to me and say, oh, could you quit preaching because your, your mom wants you outside? <laughs> you know? Because that's that, that's exactly what happened. And it says that uh Jesus asked. When they said, your mom wants to talk to you outside. Jesus said, who is my mom? Who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mothers. These are my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in in heaven is my brother and my mother and my sister. He said, I'm not going to even be controlled by my mother. She can wait. I'm doing what God has called me to do because he's in control of me, not what my mother and my brothers and my sisters and aunts and uncles and step-parents and all. I, I Forget that. They can wait. If you want dangerous Christianity, you have to understand, are you being controlled by your family? Because just because your family loves you doesn't mean that they want what's best for you. As a matter of fact, if we're really completely honest... It, they don't want what's best for us. They want what's best for them. They want to, you know, us as parents, we want to shield our kids from the harm because it'll be easier on us to shield them from it than allow them to go through it because then that's going to be hard, right? How many of you have ever had a mother that said, well, I don't know why you act like that after all, everything I've done for you. Everybody's heard that or maybe you've said it. Or maybe you do not work cattle the same way that your dad did. My dad's probably watching and he's gonna roll his eyes because he knows what story I'm gonna tell. We had we had like this 160 acres of oats that we had some winter cattle on. And we had it surrounded by a hot wire. And you know a hot wire keeps cattle in for just a little while and then they get used to where it's at and they don't go near it. Well, we had to move the cattle off of the 160 acres and we took down the hot wire but the cattle didn't know that. So we would lead them over there and then they would all ball up where the, where the hot wire used to be. It was not there at all anymore. And then of course it's round because it was under an irrigation pivot and we would try to push them through and they would just scatter around us and run off and we'd have to go gather them again. And so I told dad, I said, let's just stampede them through there. He said, no, we're not gonna run the game. We're getting paid on the game. We're not gonna run them through there. Okay. So we do it again, and we get them all up there, and he's like, be still, just be quiet. One of them will step over it, just, just give just a little bit of pressure, and they spill and run back to the middle. So we go get them again. We do this like three or four times. I got stuff to do. But dad's in charge, right? So we get them all up there, and I can see it's fixing to happen again. And so I nudge my horse forward and my dad looks over at me. He goes, you better not. And I, yeah. And I just, I mean, I just ride full speed right into the middle of them. And the one in the very front gets pushed, right? It's like at a rock concert. He gets pushed over the edge and he's like, hey, there's nothing here. And they all just went, just as easy as they could go. And I kind of looked over at my dad and he goes, you better not say a word. I didn't say anything then. I just preached a sermon about it later. Sorry, dad. Are you controlled by your family? Is it more important what your family thinks about what you do and who you are? Or is it more important to you who God has called you to be as set forth in scripture? Do you cave into their criticisms and manipulations because they call it love? Well, if you loved me, if anybody says that, they're manipulating, okay? They're manipulating. Are family get-togethers the greatest treasure or do you come home stressed? Who likes family reunions? You want to see me get stressed out and have to get on drugs? Just mention a family reunion. Good grief. I'd rather go to the 16th Street Mall than a family reunion. It's about the same. If you want to be a dangerous Christian, you have to leave your family's wants, wishes, and ways behind to follow the wants, ways, and wishes of God. You cannot do both. But it's not just friends or family. It's also society. In Luke chapter 11, Luke... Starts off in verse 37 and he says, as Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. Now, when he says a Pharisee invited him, that's like if a congressman asked you to come over for dinner, okay? Or the mayor or a commissioner or a judge. I mean, these were the ruling class of, of Jewish life, okay? So this is a big wig. He asks. Jesus and his host, the Pharisee, was amazed to see that Jesus sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. See, before they eat, they're supposed to go over there and wash their hands and, you know, do something a few times and, and all of this stuff before they're clean enough to eat. Well, Jesus is like, yeah, i come get some grub with you. He just goes in and just starts at the buffet line, you know, just hey, pretty good stuff, man. And everybody is appalled by Jesus because he did not follow the custom. Then Jesus said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, Don't God make the, doesn't, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor and you will be clean all over. Jesus didn't care. He wasn't going to be controlled by man-made rules. He was only going to be controlled by God. And even in a powerful person's house, he called him a fool. That's not very good for your reputation. But that's what happens when you are only controlled by God. When you are uncontrollable to friends, to family, to society, when you are only controlled by what God's word says and by God's truth, not your opinions about it, but what scripture says, You become uncontrollable. And if you're uncontrollable, you are dangerous. See, we want people to like and admire us, don't we? But truly following Christ will not do that in society. It will prune most of the dead and leave only the living. Since I started truly following Christ, I've lost so many friends, so many of my family relationships, have been broken on both sides, me and my wife's side. But you know what? Those had to be pruned to make room for y'all. Of those that say, you know what? I want to be dangerous too. I don't want to be controlled. I want to have friends and I want to have family, but I don't want to be controlled by friends or family or or society. I want to give my life to God and I want to follow him. See, some of y'all, most of y'all, at some time in the future, are going to have to make an unpopular decision. Will you choose God and his ways or your reputation? See, what most of us try to do is we try to get both. What is that called? Compromise. When you compromise, you compromise your relationship with God. You compromise, you will compromise your relationship with God. You either follow God or you don't. You can't play both sides. You'll try to save both. But when you try to save both, that just means that society has you controlled. But it's not just your friends. It's not just your family that tries to control us. It's not just society that tries to control us, but sin. The devil tempted Jesus to sin and tried to control him. Jesus is baptized to start his three-year ministry here on earth, his public ministry here on earth. He's baptized and immediately goes for 40 days into the wilderness. And at the end of that 40 days, man, I can imagine that his ribs are showing, his cheekbones are very prominent, his lips are probably sunk in, his eyes are probably sunk in from dehydration and starvation. And did the devil tempt him on the first day? No. On the second day? No. He waited till 40 days. And then he swooped in and he says, hey, man, I can tell you're starving to death. Just turn these rocks into bread and you can eat. You know you can do it. You have the power. You know it and I know it. And Jesus said, no. Because see, the devil tried to tempt him with satisfaction, of being satisfied with something other than God. He tried to control him through satisfaction instead of leaning on God. Jesus said no, and so the devil takes him up to the corner of the temple. We've, those of us that's been to Israel, we've seen it right there. It's where they would blow the trumpet. Jesus stood on that exact spot with the devil himself. And the devil says, jump off of here. Now, I mean, it's, what, three or four stories, something like that? It's a long ways down. He said, the angels will catch you. And the devil quotes scripture that says that, that the angels won't even let him stub his toe on a rock. Jesus said, no. See, the devil tried to tempt him with protection. He tried to control him with earthly protection. And Jesus said, No. And then he took him up to a mountaintop and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, I will give you all of these if you will bow down and worship me. He tried to control Jesus with fame and power and prestige. And Jesus said, no. See, dangerous Christianity is uncontrollable, even by sin. See, sin is a short-term emotional fix that causes long-lasting detrimental consequences. It, it, it always makes us feel better in the short term, but it creates huge problems long term. That's what sin is. Because God is the only one that can satisfy, okay? God is the only one that can satisfy you. Not porn, not drunkenness, not gossip, not lying to either save face or lying to hurt people. Not manipulation, even to the point of doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Not compliance to keep the peace where we just say yes to everything just so somebody won't be mad at us or being a glutton to cravings. God is the only one that can satisfy none of those things. God is the only thing. And if you're not leaning on God for your satisfaction, then you are controlled by sin. God is the only one who protects. And listen, this is gonna be hard for some of you, especially people that pray for travel mercies all the time. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. But listen, God is vastly more concerned about your eternal security than your earth than your earthly safety. There's nothing safe about following Christ. Nothing at all. You can't play it safe and follow God. He has protected us from death by allowing his son to die in our place. And anything more than that is, is to... If we want anything more than that, that's not understanding how much we have. And God is the true source of power this power doesn't come from titles, social status, political affiliation, retirement plans, skills, or talents, living quartered horse trailers, $15,000, $25,000 horses, high numbers on team roping. That's not where power comes from. It doesn't come from jobs. It doesn't come from marriages. True power comes from the Holy Spirit. and It is available to the, those that are dangerous and uncontrollable and only available to them, I was about 19 years old on the Rockerby Ranch near Big Lake, Texas, and we were told there's—I think there was four of us—that were told to go rope this big Charley bull that had been jumping fences and getting in with cows that he wasn't supposed to be because we had a specific breeding program. So the cattle foreman said, "Y'all go rope that Charley bull." Yes, sir. So we go out there, and I'm not fixing to rope this Charley bull but I can be there to help after he is. And so two of the cowboys get it roped and the cattle foreman tells my dad, go get your pickup and your trailer. Let's pull this bull into the trailer. So, you know, dad goes and he lopes back a couple of miles, grabs the trailer, comes out there, drives through the mesquite and they back up. And uh, I get off my horse and I'm the one that feeds the rope through the trailer so they can pull this big bull in the trailer. And we get both ropes through one cowboy with his horses on one side, the other cowboys on this side with his horse. And he got two ropes around this bull's neck and they start pulling and that bull gets up to the edge of the trailer, sticks both front feet right under the back of that trailer and just stands there. And there's nothing those two horses could do. They were giving it all they got. I mean, these horses, uh, they were seriously giving everything they had. And that bull just went, <clears throat> if you've never seen a Charlet bull, they're huge. Two horses couldn't budge it. So the cow boss, he says, hand me one of those ropes. So one of the cowboys undallies, walks over there and he ties it to the bumper of his pickup. he said, I'll get that bull in there. So once it's tied off, he goes, give me the other rope. So I feed that other rope through there and we tie it to the bumper of that truck and that bull's still standing there. And he pulls it up, takes all the slack out of the rope. And I'm the one feeding, so I'm standing there watching, right? And he gives it gas. Woo, and that bull goes, mmm and just stands there and the back wheels on that truck start to spin. Truck stops. Bull kind of relaxes a little bit. I hear some shifting. Four wheel drive now, baby. And so I step back, right? Because I'm thinking ropes are fixing to snap. He gives it gas and you can hear the ropes. Like that? Those 3 eight rope become like quarter inch ropes and I remember vividly thinking in that bull even in four wheel drive that bull was like I mean everything in his body was braced and I remember just as vividly as standing here right now of saying quietly to myself not to myself to the bull who was just right there I said just go in I don't want to watch both of your front legs snap and that's when it happened But you'll have to come next week to know what that is. Next week, we find out what real power looks like in the life of a dangerous Christian. Let's pray. Father, we have not been called to live a life of ease and comfort, but one of danger. We have been commanded to die to self, to take up our cross and follow a narrow trail that many look for, but few find. God, today I pray for dangerous individuals to come alive. Those that won't be controlled by friends, family, society, or sin. But being uncontrollable doesn't mean we are out of control, but under your absolute control. God, there are many listening right now who are dead to themselves and their purpose. I pray right now that you wake them up and make them dangerous. In Jesus' name I pray.